Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. Today's message is called, It's Right There. It's Right There. Now, depending on your background or your taste of music, you might not say right there. You might say right there. Either way, it's right there. So however you have to talk to yourself going forward, that's what you need to do. Because I don't want you to miss what God has for you. Psalm 87 verse 2 says, the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Now, let's pause, because you can read that wrong and say, well, God doesn't love the dwellings of Jacob. That's not what it says. So that means God loves the dwellings of Jacob, but for some reason, he loves the gates of Zion more. So the dwellings of Jacob represents your house your family. So say, God loves my family. Say, God loves my house. But he loves the gates of Zion more. Well, let's see why. Amplified Classic Edition says it this way. The Lord loves the gates of Zion through which the crowds of pilgrims enter from all nations more than all the dwellings of Jacob. See, the dwellings of Jacob, your house represents you and yours, but the gates of Zion represent when we all come together. Because remember, under the law, under the old covenant, there were times when all of Israel had to gather together at Jerusalem. And God says, I love your house, but I love it even more when you all get together. I love y'all as individuals. I love y'all as families, but when you all come together, that's what I really like. God loves your house. But he loves when we gather together even more. Go with me to Psalm 133. Psalm 133. We're going to start with verse 1. Now, this psalm is a psalm, depending on what version the Bible says, it's a song of degrees, a song of ascents, meaning this was a psalm they would sing as they went up to Jerusalem. And because paths to Jerusalem were kind of going up a hill, so they would sing this as they ascended to the holy city. So this was a psalm they would sing as they came to Zion. As they entered the gates of Zion, this is one of the psalms they would sing. They said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So they're singing, and there's one family going up. There's another family going up, and they're all singing the same song, and in the mind of God, it's wonderful. In the mind of God, it's precious. Because God says, man, here comes the Lemons family. Oh, here comes the Thickpen family. Oh, here comes the Butler family. Oh, here comes the Johnson family. They're all marching up together to gather in a spirit of unity. And God's excited about it. He says, I love your house, but I really love when you all get together. 
Notice what says next. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edges of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Now, before we get to this last part, which gave the title of today's message, he says it's like the precious oil or the anointing oil. When Aaron was anointed back under the law, the oil was poured out on his head and it dripped down to his long beard and dripped down all his garments. And so he's saying this outpouring of anointing oil that was on Aaron, this is what happens when my people come together. When all the families gather together in unity, I pour out something special. And whoever's there, whoever's a part, gets it. Because you have to think, if God likes something, if God loves something, if God gets excited about something, I want to be in the mix of what he's excited about. I wanna, if, if this makes God happy, then that's what I want. I want to be in that spot. I want to be right there. So when he looks at something he's really happy about, there I am, right there in the middle, like, where's Waddle? I'll be right here. I'm right here. Because he pours out something special. Say, so he pours out something special. Notice the last part of the psalm. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. What is right there? The blessing. We said this is the year of the extreme goodness of God. It's the year of the blessing. This right spot, this spot is where he pours out extreme goodness. This spot is where he pours out the blessing. And what is that spot? Unity. And it's not just the unity of your house. It's the unity of the houses he's called you to do life with. The extreme goodness, the blessing is poured out on the spot of unity. For God loves all the dwellings of Jacob, but he loves the gates of Zion even more. Go to Isaiah 51. Let's talk about, let's, I want to set up a few things. Isaiah 51 verse 1. Isaiah 51 verse 1. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you are hewn and the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. I, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. So before the prophet gets going, he says, I want you to look back from where you came from. Now I say, well, I didn't come from Abraham. Yes, you did. If you are in Christ Jesus, Abraham's your great, great, great grandpa like anybody else. So look at his example. What example do we follow? All of his examples, no, no, no. There's some things Abraham did you better not ever, ever do. But what example does the Bible tell us to follow when it concerns Abraham and Sarah? Their faith. Look to where you came from, seed of Abraham. Say, I'm the seed of Abraham. Galatians teaches us that we are the seed of Abraham just like Isaac is. And we're heirs of the blessing just like Isaac was. It says, look from where you came from. Look at their faith. Look, it's like what Hebrews says, look at the outcome of their faith. Look at what their faith produced. I called him by himself, and I blessed them, and then I increased him. So although I called him by himself, he wasn't by himself for long because he kept increasing. And now he is as numerous as the sand and as numerous as the stars. I called him, I blessed him, and I increased him. God has called you, God has blessed you, and God will increase you. But you need to make sure you're in the spot. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. Notice it said it's a few, or a waste place, all of them. 
He will comfort all the waste places. He will make her like her wilderness like Eden. Now, when we think about waste places and wildernesses, we do not think of the Garden of Eden. When you think about the Garden of Eden, you have pictures of paradise. And God says, I'm going to take the waste places in your life. I'm going to take the wildernesses in your life. And I'm going to make it look like Eden. If it's not good, he's not done. If it's not beautiful, it's not done. He says he'll give you beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. So if you're mourning right now, he's not done. If it's ashes right now, he's not done. If it looks a hot mess, he's not done. But you got to stick with him and stay in the spot you're supposed to be. Because that's where he pours us out. That's where the goodness is. That's where the blessing is. That's where the increase is. He will comfort Zion. Say, he will comfort Zion. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. See, we've been focused on the extreme goodness of God, the blessing of God. But there's also another word that's connected to those words that's about this year. It's a year of refreshing. The refreshing is part of the blessing. The refreshing is part of his goodness. Because all of us have been through some things in the last couple of years. Collectively. But also individually. Also our families. But God has refreshing on his mind. God has restoration on his mind. God has blessing on his mind. God has increase on his mind. Just don't get out of the spot you're supposed to be in. So, oh, that's the Old Testament. Pastor, go to Hebrews 12. Go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. One of the things you understand about Zion, that was one of the names for the collective people of God in the Old Testament. But it's also applied to the people of God in the New Testament. And so God loves your house, but he really loves when we all come together in this house because he pours out something special. When we gather together, he's got something on his mind. He's got something for us to experience when we all come together. He's got something on his mind. Say, he's got something on his mind. To an innumerable company of angels, Yes, there's numbers of angels in heaven, but there are a number of angels in this room. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks of better things than that of Abel. So when we gather together, God has something on his mind. And it wasn't just when the Old Testament saints gathered together, he had something special. It's also for us New Testament saints when we gather together. Psalm 132, verse 13 says this way, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I 
will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. Says her saints shall shout aloud for joy. Her saints will shout aloud for joy. Her saints will shout aloud for joy. In that spot, God said, I'll provide. In that spot, I'll bless you. In that spot, I'll get you some new clothes. I will clothe you with salvation, and you're going to have a reason to shout for joy. In that spot. See, what's so special about that spot, it says when you gather, you bring something with you. It's not just you showing up by yourself, oh, it's just me again, God. No, 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 no. Once you are born again, you ain't just you. You're no longer a mere mortal. You got the Holy Ghost on the inside. And he puts some deposits. He puts some gifts. Or as the New Testament calls it, he gave you a supply. Philippians 1.19. Notice what Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. The church is at Philippi. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So Paul, in this, when he's writing, he's in a tough spot. And he's thinking, I don't know if I want to keep going. He says, I go to heaven right now. It's good for me. I'm out. But it's not good for you. You need a little bit more encouragement to your faith. You need someone to stir up your faith a little bit more. So he's like, you know what? I've decided to stay. Now, you might say, how are you making the decision to stay? They're trying to kill you. You locked up, bruh. How are you making the decision to stay and go on with the call? He says, I know this will turn out for my good. I know this will turn out for my deliverance because you, church at Philippi, are going to get together and pray. And as you pray, you're going to give your supply. And it's going to turn for me. One of the things, as you read the letters of the Apostle Paul, he had great confidence in the prayers of the churches. Because if he didn't, he wouldn't ask him to pray. He wasn't asking him to have a nice little religious exercise. He says, I need you to pray. And 1 Corinthians said, you are helping to me by praying. He wrote to the church at Rome, a church he did not start, a church he never preached to. He says, look, I'm coming your way. There's some resistance. Here's my three prayer points. And if you pray this way, I'll see you soon. I was reading about one very successful preacher of the last couple hundred years who was used by God to do mighty things, and they said, what's your secret? What's your secret? Tell us, tell us. What's your secret? What's your secret? What's your secret? Tell us. He said, my people pray for me. He fully understood no matter where I go, my church family's praying for me, so it's going to work out well. There's something about when the people of God get on one page that God can do amazing things. Ephesians 4.16. Ephesians 4.16. It says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying or the building of itself in love. Every joint of the body has a supply. Every part of the global body of Christ and this local body of Christ has an important supply. You have something you offer 
every time you come. Even if it's a day you're not serving or days where I'm just attending, you're bringing a supply. When you show up, something special showed up because you showed up. Every time you show up, every time you connect online, you are bringing a supply. It's not just you showing up. It's not just you tuning in. It's you and what God put on the inside of you. And when the supplies come together, the body grows. The body becomes stronger. The body becomes healthier. And it builds itself up in love. That's another reason why we can think about why the Bible says what God has joined together, don't let anyone put asunder. In the first context, he's talking about marriage, and we know that's true. But there's also other things God has put together in your life. Supernatural relationships and friendships. Where he says, I need you guys to be together, but you decide not to be. Well, you just don't know, Pastor. They get on my nerves. You get on someone else's nerves, too. Well, they talk too much. You may talk too much, too. Or maybe you don't talk enough. There's, we all got issues. Anybody got issues? We have an altar for liars. Anybody got issues? We all got issues. And Jesus is working on all of us. There's one perfect person in this room, and his name is Jesus. The rest of us are in need of his grace, mercy, and help. And a lot of it. Come on, anybody need a lot of Jesus? I don't need a little bit. I need a lot. All of you, sir. All of you. And yet, he decided for us to operate in a special way when we all come together. Because you know something interesting about church? It brings together from different people from different backgrounds who may not have been friends outside of being in church. What's unique about being in church, he'll bring enemies together. And the Holy Ghost got a sense of humor. He might make you sit next to them. Go ahead, lift your hands and worship together. No side eyes, no being petty. Come on, talk in another tongue. There's something special when he brings us together. Even when we come with the special impartation of the Holy Ghost, and we also come with our own issues, our own preferences, our own backgrounds, our own opinions, our own disagreements. See, we're not about uniformity. We're after unity. See, here's the difference. You can be one with someone and still be disagreed. So, you know, we don't agree about that, but we agree about the important things. You may not agree with everyone in here. If we pass the mic around, you will find something very quickly about somebody you disagree with. But is that that important? No. So that's why I know how to stand with people I don't agree with. I'm not going to let their politics or mine divide the body of Christ. Because before there's a donkey or an elephant, there is the Lamb of God. That's how I know to stand with people. I say, we may not agree on every point, but we agree with the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus, and we got to get his work done. So one of the things about that, Siri didn't understand, but you guys did. We'll pray for serious deliverance later. <laughs> First Corinthians 12 tells us how we're all members of the body. And we can't say that our part is unimportant or someone else's part is unimportant. 
The foot can't say to the eye, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the head, I don't need you. We all need each other. And God has placed us in the body where it pleases him. That's what you see for the last part of 1 Corinthians 12. Because I put y'all there for a reason. Why? It's pleasing. He's happy about it. And so if he puts you in a certain spot, he wants you to do what he's called to do in that spot so he can bless you in that spot, so he can increase you in that spot, so he can prosper you in that spot, so he can comfort you in that spot. But you can't let stuff divide you and take you away from that spot because the enemy understands that when the believers come together, he's in trouble. He understands the principle. He heard when Jesus say, a house divided against itself cannot stand. He understands that. That's why he's always trying to divide. Because if the church could actually get together and agree on something, power would be released. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 18, if two or three of you agree and pray, I'm going to give it to you because I'm right there in the middle. And so Satan understands that, so he divides as much as he can. And the thing is, he doesn't operate, you know, with a pitchfork and a red suit on and a tail. Because if you saw him walking like that, he's oh, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. So he ain't going to do that. He's going to be slick with it. He's going to come through a thought. Wow, they didn't smile at me today. They didn't shake my hand with the love of God. They didn't give me a holy hug. That face, they're thinking about me. They may not be thinking about you. Maybe their breakfast doesn't agree with them. But that thought is in your head. And it sounds like you. So you grab onto that thought, and now you think differently about that person. You ain't even talked to that person before. But you don't like them. He'll do other thoughts too. Let's talk about another thought. He will come after you in the area that he's always come after this nation on. It's offense, especially where race is concerned. Let's talk about it just for a moment, just for a moment, just for a moment. One of the things I've learned to do with the color of my skin, I embrace it and I enjoy it. I'm black and beautiful. Look at your skin tone. Look at your skin tone right now. Say it's beautiful. Whether you are white, black, Latino, Asian, whatever your skin tone is, is beautiful because it's an expression of the artistry of God. So whether you are light or dark, it don't matter. God says it's beautiful and you need to say it's beautiful. Because what happens is, instead of embracing and enjoying your color, people either worship it or hate it. Don't you worship your color and don't you dare hate your color. Because the worship of your color and the hate of your color will cause you to do evil things in the name of that worship or in the name of that hate. You embrace the beauty of your skin color. You enjoy it and you use it to glorify God. Yeah. Don't worship it. So well, how do I know I'm worshiping it? If you think your skin color makes you better than someone else, you're in trouble. But if you also hate your skin color, you're in trouble. 
Every color that God has made us is an expression of his artistry. So enjoy it. It's his gift to you. The texture of your hair is his gift to you. Whether you want it to be natural or not, it's his gift to you. Whether you want to add on to it or not, it's his gift to you. He's like, oh, you saw the ladies? Now, fellas, do it too. Come on, the barbershop works wonders. Keep things in place. Enjoy how he's made you. Embrace how he's made you. Don't let it get into the wrong place. Don't worship it. Don't hate it. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Because when you enjoy and embrace how God has made you, you can enjoy how he made somebody else. Because enjoying and embracing how God has made you and celebrating how God has made you does not detract from someone else's culture. You can enjoy the expression of God from all of us. And the thing is, you know, especially in the South, we enjoy culture through food. And so if you don't get offended at everybody's culture, you might just have a wide palate of food to eat. God has a reason why he made us all different. It's because when we all come together, we see some areas that we wouldn't have seen as individuals. We see some blind spots. We've seen some shortcomings. And we don't use those blind spots and those shortcomings to look down on someone else, but we make each other stronger. You cannot let the enemy's play keep winning. America cannot let this keep winning. Because this goes beyond 1776. This goes beyond 1619. It goes back hundreds of years before it. And if you know if it goes that long, it's not a single person or a single race. It is a devil. And America needs to stop yielding to the plan of Satan. Here's what I have to say about this nation. We are the United States of America. We will not be divided. We will not be destroyed. We are not going under. Our best is yet to come because as we get together, God's going to pour out his goodness. We will see the best in this nation. We will see the goodness of God in this nation. We will see the glory of God in this nation. We will see as we stand together, hand in hand, singing of the goodness of God, no matter our background, no matter our nationality, no matter our color, no matter our background in education or finances, but we stand together because we know Jesus has brought us together for such a time as this. So yet unity ring from this house to downtown Atlanta, to Savannah, to Stone Mountain, to California, to Michigan, to Wall Street, to the halls of the White House, to the Congress. Let it ring out. We are united, and we will not be divided. It takes people who dare to stand up and believe. Well, pastor says there will be racial division in the last days. Yes, there's a lot of things in the last days. That's why we had to put up with it. We resist the devil. We are salt. We are light. We are here for a reason. And I'm tired of letting Satan win in this nation. Don't get out of that spot. 
enjoy and embrace how God has made you. Don't worship it. Don't hate it. Walk in it. That's how we make a difference. You have to refuse to be offended. You know, one of the things the Lord told me last year is you have to position yourself for recompense. If you want God to make it right and make it right where generations are concerned, you have to position yourself for recompense. And you being offended and you being hurt and filled with hate because of what someone else did gets you out of the position to receive recompense. Because God has recompense on his mind. God wants to make it right, not just for you, but for those who came before you. So one of the things I learned to say since I was 14, I remember Brother Copeland came to town, and he was talking about things along this line. And he says, you need to begin to say that you are the captain of your inheritance. So I began to say for these last couple decades, I'm the captain of my inheritance. Anything that was denied to those who came before me because of the schemes of wicked men or because of ignorance or because of the attack of the devil is restored to me in my lifetime. And since I have kids, I've added it is restored to them as well. I'm not concerned with generational curses. I'm concerned about recompense, about generational blessings. So, oh, I don't like the conversation in this nation. That's why I'm changing the narrative. If you don't like the conversation around you, change it. You don't like how they talk in the office, change it. You don't like how they talk at home, change it. You don't like how they talk at the school, change it. You are salt. You are light. You are anointed. You are blessed. You are empowered by God. You might say, well, so-and-so has more privilege than me. They may. They might, but Galatians says the new creation has the advantage. Someone may have more privilege, but you have the advantage. It doesn't matter what privilege someone has. If you're in Christ Jesus, you're the seed of Abraham. When you show up, you have the advantage. So stop saying, I can't do this because of this background or this person or this, ah, uh -uh. stop. Let's get that thought out of your head. You are born again. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are anointed. You are blessed. Do not let the enemy shortchange you. Do not let him divide you. Disagree, don't divide. Disagree, don't fight. Too much of our lives and our culture and our social media is filled with Christians being petty fighting. We don't do that. Why? We want power. We want to be in the spot where God has called us to be. And when we make that decision, it's like, you know what? What's more valuable to me, pettiness or power? Prosperity or walking in unforgiveness? Changing the culture or being stuck in my ways? We have to go forward. We can't just stay in this spot as a nation for this long. The government can't fix it. 
the church has to. Why does the church have to pass it? Why can't we just elect a person? The church helped create this issue, and the church has to squash it. Doesn't matter who you elect. So, oh, they're going to fix it. No, they won't. Policy can't fix a principality. How do principalities fall when the church stands together and does what the Holy Ghost says? It takes all of us to make this difference. You might say, well, it's, it's a big issue, Pastor. It's a giant. That it is. But you know something? Because we talk about David and Goliath, but did you know before David fought Goliath, Moses took down a giant. Like, when you study out Deuteronomy and the last days of Moses, like, I see Moses like he's Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. He's got a staff in one hand and a sword in the other. Because it says that a 120-year-old man took down a giant. That's pretty good. <laughs> Some of us, we ain't 120, we ain't even got a first giant yet. But when you study it out, you see the descendants of Esau took down giants. The descendants of Lot took down giants. And when God brought his people to the promised land, he expected them to do the same thing. That everybody connected to Abraham was expected to take on giants. And giants, like when we see Goliath, wasn't an individual issue. Goliath was a national issue. And this teenager stepped up who had a history with God. Said, God delivered me from the lion and the bear. This big boy's fallen too. This guy with this history of God was a teenager who was anointed by God. And when he stepped on the battlefield, people think, oh, David versus Goliath. David was a little person. No, 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 no. As soon as the anointed man of God stepped on the field, Goliath had to fall. Because where Goliath was, yeah, he was tall. Yeah, he was a warrior, but he was nothing in the face of covenant and anointing. Goliath was a national issue. And we have many national issues in this land that must fall. But it will only fall as the anointed people of God stand up. And the thing is, when you stand up, you got to be cautious that you don't divide. Because people, you stand up, and then you find yourself agreeing with somebody. You don't even vote the way they vote. And you are challenged to change your beliefs. And before you do that, you say, oh, no, 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 I'm going agree with the world. No, no, don't you do that. Don't you do that. You stick with the word. Oh, people have misused the word. Of course they have. Is that news to you that people have misused the word? Oh, they used the word of God to enslave black people. Of course they did. Have you ever looked at the slave Bible? I have. Oh, there's a slave Bible? Yes, there is. In that Bible, they remove entire sections from the Word of God to manipulate. Now, was every I preaching on? No, because there were other churches saying, this is wrong. Well, how wrong were they preaching it? There was one man of God from a couple years ago who says, if the Constitution of the United States agrees with slavery, it is a damnable doctrine and deserves to be in hell. There were two sides of it. The most powerful thing in this nation is a pulpit. Always has been, always will be. It's behind the greatest successes in this nation as well as its greatest tragedies. That's why you have to make sure you speak the word only. 
You stick with the word only. You believe the word only. You let God fix your mindset by renewing your mind with the word of God. You don't let your situations or your experiences teach you what to believe. You let the word teach you what to believe. Just like you wake up every morning and brush your teeth, you need to wake up every morning and brush your beliefs. Let the word of God check you. Let the word of God adjust you. And when, you, when it's, the situation comes up to be offended, say, nope, I refuse to be offended. Mm -mm. I forgive everybody of everything. Here's something I've learned to do. When that thought comes up, someone did before, and you get angry all over again, say, you know, I forgive them, but Father, that might be an area not healed, and so I receive my healing right now. Because healing is more than just your physical body. It's for your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions as well. We have to go forward as healed people who minister healing. Healing for the physical body, but healing also for the soul of this nation. You have to know what the word says for yourself. God bless the politicians, but none of them know the Bible. So don't let people who don't know the Bible teach you the Bible. Read the Bible for yourself. Read it in context. You know what happens if you take the text out of the context? You're left with a con. You have to get in the word. Well, what if we disagree? Then you agree to disagree. And you leave it there. You do not let the enemy have access to your imagination and your mouth. Because if he did, he will divide you. You might say, it's easier said than done. Sure it is. But you got to do the work. Not just in a couple hours we gather on Sunday. You got to do the work every day. And I'm telling you, you're all going to have opportunity to be offended this week in connection to this message. Whether it's someone you meet or someone's erroneous, ignorant, not ignorant, ignorant comments <laughs> in social media. So you know what to do? Don't read the comments. Just don't read it. Just keep scrolling. Don't look, you don't need to look at all those comments. Something pops off in this nation and the comment section is on fire. You, you know you don't need to read it. Someone's ignorant in the comments. It may not even actually be a person. It may be a bot created to do that. You know they actually have these technologies that post stuff that is not even a real person? And you offended at a robot. You offended at the Terminator and Rosie from the Jetsons and you walking around all upset all throughout your day and it's a robot that ticked you off. You missing your miracle because Rosie got on your nerves. Don't do that. Stay in the place of power. Stay in the place of unity. Stay in the place where God can use you to make a difference. Oh, pastor, you woke or anti-woke, I'm saved. <laughs> what do you believe? The word. Well, what about this nation? Know the story, own the story, change the story. That's what you do. You acknowledge what happened. Yeah, it happened. It's not today. And I refuse to let it happen again. So together, it's not just those in the pulpit who have to say something. It's those of you in corporate America. Those of you who run your own business. Those of you in the school system. Those of you in different places and industries and entertainment where he asks you, you stand up and be light. You stand as the salt of the earth. You let the love of God and the power of God flow through you 
and you can bring healing to this culture. You can bring healing to this land. The world is looking for answers. It's time we give it to them. But if we're always divided, fighting each other, they ain't going to turn to us. So understand the play of the devil. He wants to divide your house, and he wants to divide this house. Don't give him room. Don't let him use your thought life. Don't let him use your mouth. Don't let him use your Twitter fingers. Stay unified. We may not always agree on everything. I pretty much guarantee you we won't. But we agree on the main things. And God is able to use us to do mighty things. Because in 2 Chronicles 5, where they all got together in one accord, the glory fell. And Acts 2, where they all got together in one accord, the day of Pentecost happened. The Holy Ghost was poured out. And Acts 4, as they all got together and prayed, the building was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost again. It all happened as the houses of Jacob gathered together as the gates of Zion. God has special outpourings for us this year. We can only call it extremely good. Because one of the manifestations of the goodness of God is his glory. The glory is his goodness. And there are times we're going to come together and he's just going to pour out and it's going to minister to us and it's going to be wonderful. But he doesn't want that experience to stop in these walls, to stop in your home. He wants you to take what he pours out during our experiences and take it wherever you go. So what he puts in you during these experiences flows into the school, flows into the courtroom, flows into the city council flows into the businesses, flows through the streets, flows through the malls, flows through the marketplaces, flows through the areas of entertainment, flows to different places of industry, flows in the tech sector. Because when you position this, yourself this way, God will give you creative ideas. I remember last year I was looking at some area of tech, and I really like tech, I really like innovation. And I was looking, I said, oh, that would be really cool if I can do that. And God said, that's not what I called you to do. But if you preach on this high level, I'll give the people the ideas and they'll do it. So I'll preach on this level. So you guys can grab the innovation and go change stuff. You know, one of the greatest innovators of the last century is George Washington Carver. Do you know he also prophesied? See, they left that out of the history books. <laughs> that he prophesied. I was trying to find it in print because I wanted to get you guys all a copy, but it's a few copies available in different places. But he prophesied about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The greatest innovator of the 20th century was looking forward to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I think we should disagree with that man of God. He has so much more for us if we could only stay on the same page. That means we have to make a decision to refuse the division. You know, Proverbs says gossip separates people. So you refuse the gossip. Someone try to come with your gossip. So, well, let's pray about the situation right now. Change the conversation. Change the narrative. Don't dwell on the gossip. Don't dwell on bad reports about people. Think the best of everyone. Even if they did something stupid, think the best of them. Think the best. Because that's what love does. And God has a great work for us to do as a faith family. 
And although we're celebrating 30 years later this year, you haven't seen anything yet. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encourages you and is going to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be, stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith, and we know you'll receive an answer according to the Word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message. And remember, God has a great plan for your life, and something good is going to happen to you today. So expect miracles. God bless.